We are back. Orban Radio, Radio TV at the Pooh Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, and we are here yet again this week at the end of July. A great month, a great summer. Looking forward to folks going back to school here real quick. Thankful again for the opportunity to be with you. Uh, thanks to you who are watching Facebook Live for all the waves. Uh, we wave back at you. Uh, just uh, won't do it digitally this time, but uh, we're waving back nonetheless. Uh, glad to be here in the studio with HB, our producer. Josh Colling will pick up on the digitization of the video and the vocal later on. Grateful, too, for Polly Riddell, who I call my chief connections officer. Thankful for all of the folks that she connects me with for the benefit of this radio show, as well as for the Comenius Institute. At the Comenius Institute, we cross three bridges. The first is in the college at IUPUI, helping Christian young people to think Christianly about their studies answering all kinds of questions throughout the semesters on campus at IUPUI. Also teaching there, glad to do so with fantastic faculty at, at IUPUI. We also cross the bridge into communities, which is uh, through this radio show. We bridge cultures uh, through ethnicities, genders, does not matter to us. We're just simply interested in Christians who are doing good based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. And then our third bridge we cross is into culture. And the cultural bridge is manifest in so many different ways, not the least of which is our weekly Truth in Two videos that come out through Warp and Woof, through Cominius. Sign up, su subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can get those delivered actually to your mailbox. Uh, those Truth in Twos come out Tuesday mornings, and we're glad to do that, connecting with all different kinds of ideas about culture from a Christian point of view. This week's was on what is normal. You'll have to Listen to that one to find out what we had to say about that. But this week, we are just tremendously privileged and pleased, honestly, to have Jamin Bailey here with us from the Corporate Chaplains of America, a great organization uh, that's serving tremendous amounts of people, hundreds of thousands of folks around the United States. Grateful, uh, Jamin, for your time today. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah. So the very first thing we always do with everybody is tell us about yourself. Give us a little bio. Absolutely. So I'm a uh, native Hoosier. I uh, used to live here in the Indianapolis area, uh, but uh, in the early 90s, I uh, moved down to southern Indiana. Uh, I had a call to ministry in high school. So I went to Bible College at Johnson University, uh, which some in this area are probably familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, and while I was there, I had a specific call to chaplaincy. Now, I thought it was going to be in the military. That was the only chaplaincy that I was familiar with. So I actually joined the Marines after I graduated from college. Uh, spent six years on active duty as a combat engineer officer uh, in the Marine Corps. Uh, and then uh, as after I got out, having gained all the experience that I thought, again, was going to equip a Navy chaplaincy service, um, I discovered workplace chaplaincy, and specifically Corporate Chaplains of America. Um, really a, a, a fantastic organization that I was amazed to learn about. Um, this is uh, something that I never would have anticipated would have been. It's, it's very similar to, and we'll talk about the details, very similar to a military chaplain, which you're doing life on life, you're spending time with people every single week, you're building relationships, uh, but just in a corporate context mm. uh, where companies are actually inviting employees to, to uh, um, come under the care of a chaplain. Mm. That's fantastic. I, I'm just always amazed at this, frankly, when I think about it, uh, the idea that business people mm -hmm. would be actually recognizing that their employees actually might need something beyond money. Yes. I would say that um, even especially Christian business owners, 
they have a desire to care for their employees and they recognize obviously the spiritual component. They have this desire to provide that spiritual care for their employees. And in some cases they're successful in doing that. Um, however, uh, there's title limitations, you know, they, they're still the boss. And so there's things that happen within an employee's life that the employee just won't share uh, with an owner. Um, and that becomes a, a problem because they have these legitimate needs. Yeah. The Christian business owner wants to fulfill those needs. Um, and then when this, once they discover that corporate chaplaincy is something that they can do, they can actually bring in a chaplain to be an extension of that desire uh, to care. That's fantastic. We had uh, on the show last month or maybe two months ago, uh, Liesl Mertis, uh, who uh, does really great work with empathy. Yes, you know the name? I do. You know yes, Liesl? Absolutely. Great. We've met a couple, a couple occasions. That's great. She does great work. Uh, some of the stuff that she's dealing with, I'm sure that's are some of the things that you all deal with as mm -hmm. well. Uh, tell us a story or two, just to kind of sort us off in this regard as it relates to what are some of the interactions that you've had to have uh, helping employees work through difficult situations in sure. life. Yeah, so my time with corporate chaplains, a little more background here. I spent four years as a chaplain in North Carolina, and, and we're a full-time chaplaincy agency. So every single day I got up and went to one of my companies mm -hmm. um, and uh, made rounds, built relationships with the employees. Um, uh, one of those companies, uh, a small insurance company in North Carolina, uh, I built a relationship over the course of about six months uh, with a lady named Mary Beth. She's given permission uh, for me to share this story in the organization in general. And Mary Beth, uh, who I love dearly, uh, over time, she started to share some concerns about her husband's health. And she's gotten very frustrated. She said, my husband's not going to the hospital. Something's wrong. And so we began to pray for him. But one day his health got so bad that they had to go to the emergency room. And she called me and I went immediately. Um, she just kind of like uh, um, was just in tears as she shared that the doctors, even at the emergency room, were very concerned about his liver. Mm -hmm. uh, it turned into a cancer diagnosis. And so for about the next four months, um, he was in and out of the hospital. His name was Keith. And uh, in that time, I was in the hospital quite often with them. This is part of what we do, making hospital visits as chaplains, uh, caring both for him and for Mary Beth, of course, and for his children um, and their extended family. Uh, uh, this is, I mean, there's so many aspects to this story. But in that time, not only was I able to minister to the other employees at the company, uh, but Keith actually uh, gave his heart to the Lord uh, one day as he was on hospice care. Unfortunately, this was a, a very severe diagnosis. Uh, as he was on hospice care, I was able to share the gospel with him. And, and all glory to God, because that's just the power of the gospel. Um, he heard it as if it, for the first time in his life, uh, despite having been in church for much of his life. Except that the gospel said, you need to go to Mary Beth right now because she was at work. And share exactly what you just shared with me. And so I did that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Mary Beth heard and, and we prayed as well. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. that's just just one example. His sister ended up coming to Christ. A couple of other people in his family uh, made decisions for Christ at his funeral uh, that I was uh, privileged and honored to, to preach mm -hmm. just a couple of months after that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just one example among many. And I'll share some more stories as the day goes on just to illustrate the power of a chaplain not to replace the local church. I, I do want to make that point. Um, they didn't really have a pastor in their life. And statistically, about 70% of Americans don't have a, a pastor. They don't have a church home family. Mm -hmm. Whenever I go to the hospital, just, just to further reinforce this, and a pastor was there, that was always the best case scenario. 
because that pastor, I would then kind of come into a supportive role. And sometimes the pastor really appreciated that. But I would, you know, of course, allow that pastor to do his job, which was to care uh, for the employees, uh, uh, for the employee and their family. But many times it's just not the case. Let's uh, let's transition because I know you have tons of stories to tell, but let's transition to some of the specifics about your work in detail. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where do you serve uh, and uh, what's your general responsibility? Yeah. So I'm now a regional director. Uh, for corporate chaplains of America. And that means I just oversee a team of chaplains. Again, full-time chaplains serving companies, uh, mostly here in Indiana and Kentucky and Ohio. Uh, But I also go as far as Denver, Colorado, which is a a new state for us. And and what that that job entails is just making sure that my chaplains, who are a wonderful team of chaplains, wonderful people, uh, have what they need to serve. And I also coordinate responses. Uh, We do uh, quite often because we cover 43 states, a little over five hundred companies uh, have uh, corporate chaplains of America serving their people. Uh, Oftentimes there's a need in another state because not every family member typically lives in a state. And so even within my region and then with regions across America, um, uh, we will mobilize a chaplain to go care for the family member of an employee in a different place. That just happened. It does. And I'll illustrate with a story. Recently, we had a uh, chaplain in Alabama go in and talk to one of his employees that he knew well, and and she was just very upset. And she shared with him that her uncle in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, was in hospice care uh, uh, within the hospital, some more palliative care type Mm -hmm. setting. And that this uncle was alone. There was no family in Louisville. She wasn't able to go up. And that she was very concerned about his eternal condition. Uh, She knew that he wasn't a believer. So our chaplain was able to, um, in Louisville, uh, because we got this call from Alabama, a chaplain in Louisville was able to go to the hospital, uh, find this gentleman uh, in palliative care. He was still conscious. Um, he had been told that he was dying. Of course, he's in palliative care, so he knows that. And he was, as the chaplain walked in, he could just see the terror in this man's face um, as he's here alone in the room about to die. Um, uh, but Todd, our chaplain down there, just sat with him for a while, um, helped uh, just to kind of bring some peace to him. Uh, to ask him a few questions. And as the man just uh, spoke, uh, Todd asked if he could share the gospel uh, with him, um, if he could share about Jesus. Because he said, we know what's about to happen. Are you ready? And the man said, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. So Todd shared the gospel with him. And in tears, this man accepted Christ uh, right there. And Todd, who also is in tears as he shares this story, says Mm -hmm. that as this man transitioned from fear of death to just absolute peace. The mm. whole feeling in the room just changed. Mm. And, and Todd was just just joyful. That's not something that we're smart enough to set up. Again, all glory to God. God is amazing in what he does. Uh, but what he has empowered this organization to do and our chaplains to do, that's just, again, one mm. example among many of God changing lives. We, this year, passed 40,000 first-time decisions for Christ. Wow. Um, and and wow. it may, to some of the listeners, uh, it may seem a little crazy, you know, how is it legal for a company to bring in a, a, an organization that has this mission statement, and it's on our website and everything else, it's to build caring relationships with the hope of gaining permission to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a non-threatening manner. 
that mission statement is very blatant. You know, again, it's permission-based, but we are looking for opportunities built on relationships to share the gospel of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ with people. And the reason that it is legal, just to answer that question, um, is that it's permission-based. We don't walk into a company and just start preaching uh, to everyone. We build a relationship. And as we gain permission, uh, which it oftentimes takes a little while to get to, uh, we'll share the gospel with people because that is ultimately why we exist. Um, uh, and again, companies from the size of five employees up to 18,000 uh, are able to bring us in to care for their people. Uh, to provide a lasting benefit, there's a financial aspect of this as well. It's not why we exist, uh, but companies see reduced turnover and increased productivity as their employees receive care for the whole person. I'm sure Liesl uh, probably talked about that. She mm -hmm. just talked about a company having empathy mm -hmm. and how that builds loyalty to the brand mm -hmm. uh, and allows employees to feel like they belong to something that's more of a family than it is just a company. This leads me to ask a question about data points. But before I do, I wanted to say that since you're going to be out in Denver soon, uh, and since my mom, our mom, uh, HB's adopted mom, mom's adopted HB, uh, they she lives in Denver. Yep. She's got a whole crew of people listening right now to this radio broadcast. Outstanding. Yeah. So, uh, mom, check this out. Uh, James is going to be in your neck of the woods. On Monday. On Monday. Yeah, so uh, maybe, you know, fire up the teapot there and get things ready. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. So I wanted to ask you specifically, Wade, as you were talking through the issues of um, developing this ethos and this empathy uh, in a family relationship within a business, I wanted to ask a question, has anybody done any research on how uh, becoming more involved or invested in the community of a company does this uh, provide benefit for the company itself on its bottom line? Mm -hmm. So people not taking as much time off, uh, people who have been served in their emotional needs uh, are better contributors in the company, that kind of thing. Has there been that kind of research yeah, done? I'll share a couple of examples. One uh, pretty recent, we had a company simply request that data. Okay. So that makes it an easy example there to share. Oh, um, they're like, you know, we we have people that aren't really as concerned about the spiritual things, and that happens. Not every company that brings us in is even Christian sure. owned. They just yeah. they, they're wanting to provide a, a top shelf benefit for their people, and, that, and that's okay. That's a good. Uh, that doesn't change what we do, uh, mm -hmm. but it, uh, there's different motivations for bringing us in. Mm -hmm. uh, but for this company in particular, I asked the chaplain, and uh, and just a side note, I, I mentioned this to Mark earlier. Our chaplains are very humble people. They, they do this because they really care about people, not for personal acclaim. Uh, they will labor for years caring for folks without ever asking for any recognition. So asking them for stories is sometimes hard because they, they, you know, they're just not wanting to puff themselves up. But I went to this chaplain and said, Nick, I need some stories. Uh, this company is asking for really a financial justification for the program. And so he was able to, in very quick succession, give me six stories to where employees wow. that would have left mm. uh, didn't leave. Yeah. And when you calculate the cost of replacing oh. an employee, yeah. um, it more than paid for the program. Just in this one uh, relatively small manufacturing plant, um, the chaplain more than paid for himself, mm. not to mention all the other benefits of, of uh, um, you know caring for the employees and, and everything else. So. Um, that those six stories just scratched the surface of what the employee was able or the chaplain was able to do. Um, it, it included things like just providing uh, a resource mm -hmm. uh, to get an employee to work. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they would have been fired because they accrued too many points and therefore they would have been terminated. 
but just by helping and just being aware of the need and talking to the employees and building that relationship, they identify here's an actual physical need that this employee has to come to work. Um, other stories included uh, possible suicide, uh, two of them, uh, where uh, a person was going to kill himself. Um, and I'll just share this one story. Um, uh, our chaplains know their people. They, they really do. At my companies, I certainly knew the employees that were there. And when something's off in their life, we can tell. And so Nick was walking through. He saw a guy that just ordinarily was pretty chipper. And this guy wasn't chipper. Uh, he was feeling really down. So Nick actually, as he went through his rounds, and I haven't really described, we do rounds where we make a, a moment of contact with employees each week. And that's where the relationship comes from, uh, is that we're not pulling them off the line. We're not pulling them off the forklift. We go to them with a moment of encouragement to say hello. So as Nick was doing this in the company and kind of making his way down the line, he passed this guy, said something to him, there was something was off, and he came back. And he said, hey, what's going on? And the guy just unloaded on him and he said, I've, I've reached the end of my rope. I can't take this anymore. I've got financial trouble. I've got this going on. No one's here to listen for me. In fact, I've got my gun in my car, and after my shift, I'm planning to go kill myself. Mm-hmm. So he shared that with Nick. Nick was able to stay with him, get him the help that he needed, and he's alive today and still at work. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a two-edged answer to that, no, uh, to where this uh, this uh, man not only didn't kill himself, but from the company's perspective. Yeah, this um, is huge. He, he's still there. One of the things that I found, even in a conversation with a business owner this last week, mm-hmm. uh, as we were making these kinds of discussion points about the main t- maintenance of keeping employees on the line yes, and yes. what happens to your business when they're offline mm-hmm. or you have to change and there's yeah. a shift and transition. And he was telling me how much that costs him. But our discussion also went to qualitative and quantitative, and I'm not, not going to get too deep in the weeds here, everybody, <laughs> but quantitative and qualitative uh, research, uh, the difference between numerical and narrational. So can we tell stories mm-hmm. that back up our claims yeah. versus data points? Because I, you know, I was telling him as a teacher, you know, there's no way I can plot on a data point plane where my students are and how much I've done for them or whatever. It's, uh, so it really is based on story. Sure. And there's so much of that, I think, that's really important to emphasize. And I just want to say that to everybody, that your stories that you contribute to whatever venue you're in are really powerful. And that's why it's so cool to hear all these great stories here today. Right. Well, I'll share one more from a different, different plant, a little bit larger uh, than the manufacturing plant I just described. 2,700 employees uh, processing chicken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that can be a tough environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came to their HR, this is a couple of years ago, and we just asked, what is your number one issue? How can we help you? Because we've had three chaplains serving this plant full time. And she said, it's my turnover. We're at mm-hmm. 73% turnover. Oh. It costs us $5,000 to replace every employee. Wow. So you're talking about millions of dollars oh. each year in recruiting, hiring, and training, and lost productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so look, we came up with a plan to, to help them address that by integrating the chaplains into the orientation process. And they have actually had a retention team uh, trying to hold on to employees. But we just added the chaplain, not to the team directly, but the team began to bring the chaplain in mm-hmm. to help em- new employees deal with family issues. Things that ordinarily you know, before would have caused them to drop off the workforce, you know, where they just wouldn't come because they're dealing with stuff at home. Mm-hmm. The chaplain would talk to them. And we didn't become you know, an extension of the boss. You know, we're, we're not part of the chain of command. We're not part of operations. But by the chaplain just being a caring presence, and bringing that, that, that touch, it made the employee feel like they mattered. 
Mm. And over the course of just six months, we reduced their turnover by 50%. Oh! So <laughs> far more than the cost of bringing in a yeah. company. There's a cost associated with it. We were able to save this, this company a lot of money because mm. they identified a problem. We identified a way to help them. Uh, with a solution. Mm -hmm. And to this day, uh, those employees, uh, those uh, chaplains rather, are caring for employees and are just a part of the culture of this company in, in just such a powerful way. And this this goes back to what we were just talking about, about the necessity of seeing narration and numerical mm -hmm. data coming together. Yes. And it goes both ways. You can show it either way, but you really need both of them. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, I'm assuming that somebody in your corporate headquarters, wherever that is, is documenting all this and has all these okay. kinds of charts and graphs. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And again, it, it's something that organizationally, you have an organization of chaplains. So, you know, we're not looking necessarily to puff ourselves up, but especially when we're trying to tell our story, mm -hmm. we, we have to share these stories. And so yeah. we try to collect them and we have a, a place to put them together. So we have a field development component that goes and just shares our stories with company owners. Nice. And, and they're That's able to, uh, to pull on a lot of these stories. And we have thousands, I mean, thousands. We serve 110,000, 115,000 employees nationwide but we also care for their families. And so a lot of the ministry that we do isn't just with the employee. Um, the employee is concerned about something going on with their cousin, or their aunt or their uncle or something like that. Oftentimes a child that's in a situation mm -hmm. and the chaplain can step in, provide either just personal care or local resources or oftentimes a, a triage level where we help them connect with what they need. Um, and it just changes the life, uh, not only of the person that's actually in distress, uh, but for the employee themselves. And this goes beyond simply the company and the employees, you suggest, but on into the family itself. Oh, absolutely. It's Sometimes huge. just somebody that they care for, because you know, not every family member is biological. Mm -hmm. So if, they're, if they have uh, somebody that they're very close to that needs care, I mean, we're always looking for opportunities to serve. Yeah. Vocation literally is ministry. No matter what you do, where you are, uh, what it is that you're given to be gifted for, uh, all of these things are ministry and whatever that the case is. Um, I hope that you've all noticed, uh, by the way, as you hear uh, James talk about what he does, that uh, he's kind of excited about it. Uh, we're going to be coming back in our second segment and talk more about uh, what he does and what Corporate Chaplains of America does. You're listening to Warp and Move Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. I'm going to take a one-song break. We'll be right back. Facebook Live, we are still with you. Thanks for hanging in there with us. I always tell that to our out loud to our guests so that you remember that we're still on, <laughs> just in case. So, uh, fantastic. Oh, my word. I mean, have you guys written books yet? I mean, have there been books published about the things you're doing? That's a great thing. At one time, there were some books, uh, but they're probably outdated now. So, oh. I need to take that under advisement. I'm um, telling you right now, man, these these stories need to be booked. I just, you know, it would be, it's not simply an issue of promotion or a term that I kind of loathe, which is marketing, but it's it's just telling people what's happening yeah. in the good things that are happening. You know, I mean, this truly is Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. I tell people that when I'm teaching philosophy, uh, read Aquinas and know a little bit about what he said, uh, about it's truth, goodness. It's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. <laughs> he, he talked about uh, the triad of truth, goodness, and beauty. Mm. And I tell people, we need to flip that around. We need to, to do good and then show beauty, and then maybe somebody will want to hear our truth. Mm. And that's exactly what you do. You're yeah. doing good mm -hmm. by simply encouraging people. Yes. The beauty of the gospel is extended in obvious 
different ways, but nonetheless still there. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the truth is available. You know, the permission may be given. Absolutely. I love it. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I'm so, I'm so jazzed about this, uh, that I will be happy to do a book blurb. When the book comes out, <laughs> just contact me, man. I'm That'd all about this. I love stories. I think stories are the best way to communicate to anybody, anytime, anywhere. Absolutely. And uh, this is just the kind of stuff we need to hear. It, it's wonderful to see just the inspiration given to one man. In, in our case, our founder, Mark Kress, in, 19, in the mid-90s, he was a business owner that discovered that he was spending a lot of time caring for his employees. Mm -hmm. I mean, people bring their issues to work. They have, yeah. they have you know crises at home and just yeah. crises in general. And uh, he had heard about chaplaincy in different forms and uh, in different forms. But he had this idea of full-time chaplains that this was their occupation. This was the fulfillment of their calling mm -hmm. uh, to care for people again on a full-time basis. They get up every single day. So he sold his company. Uh, went through Southeastern uh, Seminary in, in, uh, in Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, and became huh. chaplain number one for Corporate Chaplains of America in 1996. Um, and so for the last 23 years, uh, we've grown uh, at, you know, at first kind of a steady pace, and then in the last few years, especially a very rapid pace. We added about 30 chaplains just last year. Um, uh, and I think that, that uh, as God blesses us with growth, um, the more people are going to hear that this is a benefit that is, again, legal. That's, that's usually the first question because people have this idea that you have to divorce your faith from the workplace. And I'm so grateful for organizations like Truth at Work mm -hmm. uh, here in Indianapolis and, and C12 and Convene and others across the country that are helping Christian business owners discover in some cases, that's not the case. In fact, you should be, as a Christian, integrating your faith into your work. Yeah. And, and there's multiple ways to do that, and chaplaincy is certainly uh, one of those. Mm. I did uh, a fall series at my church. My pastors asked me to teach every fall for about 13 weeks, adults. And uh, I did a series entitled Vocation as Ministry. Mm. And I uh, did a whole, you know, 13 weeks of, and I've still got the PowerPoints, the handouts. Um, you know, if you ever want to put a curriculum together, you know, that, that'd be kind of cool to think about what that looks like, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but those kinds of things, the very thing that you're talking about, that this is where people live. I mean, we basically have three places that we inhabit. We inhabit our homes. We inhabit our work. And then most people have what we refer to as a third place, some place where they congregate. Uh, for some, it might be a bar. Mm -hmm. For some, it might be, you know, a sports team, uh, whatever. Um I try to leave church out of that because I think that needs to be, as we've well suggested already all the way through, uh, whatever it is that we do. Uh, but those kinds of things where uh, we understand that one of the major things that people do is work. I mean, I, this is what I try and communicate. Your job, you have a job while you're at college. Mm -hmm. Your job is to be a student. Yeah, That's your job. Sure. I'm here to come alongside you in your job to answer your questions, academic or cultural or otherwise, profs at this in class, whatever. Uh, but yeah, man, I want you to get good grades. Yeah, I want you to do a good job in that paper. Yeah, I want you to get started ahead of time on that because you're a testimony. Your work is a testimony, even in college. So those kinds of things, the emphasis on work is huge. And Absolutely. Something, of course, it's, it's the great commandment. You know, we, we have the great commission, but the great commandment of Genesis 1 
is to rule and subdue. And we were given the garden in 215 of Genesis to, mm -hmm. to preserve and, and produce from. You know, yes. All of those great things coming out of pre-fall. Great stuff. We come in after this commercial. Thank you for listening to us Facebook Live while we were um, taking a break from the podcast. Grateful for you uh, listening to some of our theological ramblings here. Christian interpretation begins with God's word, so we can interpret God's word. The Phineas Institute, where Christian wisdom and daily life meet. And we are back, Warp and Move Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Brew site, in our second segment with Jamin Bailey from Corporate Chaplains of America. Glad that he's with us here today. In our first segment, we were uh, exploring not only a little bit of his bio, his background, and so on, uh, where he's come from and where he serves, but he was telling us about all kinds of great stories. Uh, about the way that corporate chaplains of America actually serve employees. And so I'm thinking now, you know, to just add to the story base that uh, we've been giving folks, uh, what are some of the major concerns that you have seen personally, perhaps, or that your chaplains tell you about um, that they encounter on a regular basis with people in the workplace? Maybe like number one, number two, number three, or maybe there's not one, two, and three. But some of the major concerns that people bring with them to the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually track that by company. And it's interesting to see that vary from company to company um, to where not every particular community or demographic sort of faces the same challenges. That's so our chaplains have to be kind of on their toes, especially transitioning between companies. Because at one company, if it's, you know, it's got a... a a little bit of a poorer demographic, um, they're going to be dealing a lot more with broken down cars mm. and financial needs and even homelessness. Uh, we encounter that on a regular basis mm. in those environments. Mm -hmm. If you're more in a, in a white collar, sort of like insurance company, I had a couple of those myself. Uh, it's more wayward children. Mm. Um, in, in some cases, uh, in, in currently in this culture, uh, drug epidemic, um, a lot of that going on. Um, marriages, uh, uh, challenges uh, with pornography, um, uh, just people. Amazing how much somebody will share with you to your point about when they know that you care about them and you show up week after week. It's amazing the level of a relationship that develops. It, it, it almost seems counterintuitive in just 30 seconds to two minutes mm -hmm. every week. But it really does add up. Sometimes there's a 20 minute uh, what we call a care session that will come or even longer. Um, uh, the, the way that we serve is we make ourselves available 24-7. So if there's a need that an employee has where they're working and they don't have time to fully share, mm -hmm. um, we'll actually meet with them after work. Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, if the need be, we'll meet with them on the weekends. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we'll meet with them at 2 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. if that's what works for them, especially with some of our second, third shift workers. Right. That's required. Um, we'll do whatever we can to not only build the relationship, uh, to be a listening ear, because uh, we're not coming in just to preach. You know, we really do want to listen to what's going on. But then to, as practically as possible, either find a resource internally or find a resource in the community who will actually meet their physical needs um, as needed. Um, yeah, th this is, a, this is a, a phenomenal effort on the part of people that I don't know that they, you know, everybody fully com accommodates or appreciates. One of the things that I'm picking up on the fact is the fact that and maybe we should just say this to the audience that, you know, Christians are often perceived as these people who are just preaching this book and hitting you over the head with the Bible and so on. But what we're hearing, and what, quite frankly, we hear every single week on this radio show, is that Christians are simply out doing good in the community. Yes. And that this then, you know, the, the great question of how, what makes you different or mm -hmm. why do you think. 
if that way it just automatically comes up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we don't want to just be, uh, as the scriptures say, go uh, be well fed. And, and <laughs> right. you know, we actually want to do something. And, and that's where our chaplains uh, oftentimes spend a lot of time uh, caring for people to not only just tell them about Jesus, but show them the love of Christ yeah. as well. This is an amazing effort. Uh, we're talking about corporate chaplains of America. Uh, and you tell them about their website, too, so everybody can go there. Yes. So uh, we, we uh, uh, being a child of the 90s as an organization, we got chaplain.org. So that's uh, C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N.org, which has videos and stories and all kinds of great information on there about chaplaincy. So if you're a business owner or know someone who is uh, at least influential in business leadership uh, that would like to know more, that's really going to be the best stop for you. Um, and there's information about how to get a hold of us on there as well. So chaplain.org. Yeah, this is a fantastic organization. I've been on the website. I've seen some of the videos. Uh, they're short, sweet, to the point. They get the, the information across, but they also get the ethos of this company across. Really well done stuff. You will not be sad that you've gone there and taken a minute. Uh, actually, passing this uh, kind of information on is an important idea, too. And when you think about this, how often or how much has there been kind of a one company, one boss talking to another company, another boss kind of situation going on where the chaplain organization has been so profitable in, in all the ways that we can say that word for that company that they want to share with others. Yeah, that's been the vast majority of the growth that we've seen has been that case. So so we started in North Carolina uh, with just a couple of companies. Um, we have 45, almost 50 uh, full-time chaplains in the state of North Carolina uh, because of that word of mouth. Um, that's, that's really been, this is this is such an outside-the-box kind of a benefit for most folks where they almost have to hear from someone else a testimonial. Yes. Now, we're trying to do a better job, again, to the point of stories and just sharing this, uh, to be able to, to um, find other ways to grow as well. But that still is the primary means of growth is one company owner telling another company owner, hey, I've been doing this for years. This is something that has meant so much to our company. It has, it has made these cultural improvements, made all of these things. you got to talk to these guys and see what they can do for you. It is interesting. You know, we, we do recognize and, and we don't want to short shrift or, or sideline this important idea that, that businesses are in business to make money, that they have to care about the bottom line. And part of the bottom line that people don't really think about much is how much a human being contributes to a company. Yes. So we often think about just selling a product or widget at the end of the day, mm -hmm. uh, but we really don't think about how much it's going to cost to replace somebody if indeed they leave your workplace. That's right. Yeah, and our chaplains, um, everything we do uh, as far as hearing things from employees is confidential. We do make three exceptions. That's that they're going to hurt themselves. So I shared the story about the suicide that was prevented. Um, and that's, that happens on a, too, too often, unfortunately. Uh, well, it's fortunate the chaplain intervenes, but there's two, and like myself, a lot of veterans uh, that are dealing with PTSD and all of these kind of things, um, where they just, they're not able to find the resources. But uh, again, the three exceptions to confidentiality, if they're going to hurt themselves, if they're going to hurt someone else, or if it involves a child in an abusive situation, um, we'll, of course, by law, are required to take some steps uh, to make sure that everyone comes out safely. But aside from that, everything that an employee shares with a chaplain is confidential. That being said, once uh, the personal information is stripped out, our chaplains become a great resource mm -hmm. for morale. 
and sharing that with company leadership um, so that uh, just going back to that one chicken plant as an example, one of the things that helped contribute to the reduction in turnover was that they identified that some of the shift leaders were practicing some, uh, let's just say, motivational techniques uh, with the employees that just weren't helpful. Um, they were driving people away because they were being cruel and yeah. unusual in, in, yeah. in their discipline and everything else. Yeah. Um, and so the, the chaplains didn't call out individuals. Yeah, again, confidentiality applies. Uh, but they were able to highlight that some leadership training training probably would be helpful <laughs> to employee morale. That happened and the culture changed. Over the course of, I was able to introduce three chaplains to this company. Three, by the time really year one had passed, huge, huge strides have been made. But by year two, it was almost unrecognizable, mm -hmm. the culture of that company. That's amazing. Yeah. And this brings us to the topic of leadership and the importance and imperative of leadership. So we're talking about leadership that really is not just a top down. We we often think of leadership that way, but we need to recognize that it's a grassroots effort, that this is exactly what the chaplains are doing. Mm -hmm. um, you've talked about this, the, the chicken plant, for, for lack of a better way of saying that. Sure. Uh, that's an us almost from the beginning mm -hmm. about 18,000 employees publicly traded company mm -hmm. and Frank Harrison uh, the CEO of that company uh, is one of our greatest uh, partners in, in every sense of the word mm -hmm. in that he does a lot of that sharing uh, with other company owners yeah. and actually leads a uh, t-factor event where he just he helps not just about chaplaincy uh, but he helps uh, owners of larger companies realize the potential of the stewardship that they can they can employ and exercise within their company for the kingdom uh, which is huge. Uh, you know, we have wood processing companies, uh, you know, chemical companies here in Indianapolis, uh, uh, landscaping. I mean, it's really, uh, we have a lot of trucking companies that we serve, about nine major trucking firms. So a lot of trucks you see as you're driving down the highway hmm. are served by a chaplain, not the truck, the, the truck driver. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's fun for me as I'm driving around. Uh, I was here with our CEO two weeks ago. And we're driving through Indianapolis, and I'm like, yep, that's one of our companies, and that's one of our companies. And it's just, it's just amazing because I know what's happening. You mentioned the fact that I'm excited about this organization and what God does through it. It's because I know what God's doing. Yeah. I know about the lives that are being changed. And I know that um, even if the chaplains are shy, in some cases, not shy, they're just they're, they're not necessarily wanting to puff themselves up. Sure. Uh, but if they're uh, um, uh, concerned about uh, telling their own story, I know that God is using them powerfully to change lives both now and for eternity. Um, and that's, that's just a wonderful thing to see. When you uh, are in your responsive role, uh, is your responsibility to chaplain the chaplains? Uh, in a sense, uh, we actually do have, or we try to practice what we preach, we do have a chaplain to the chaplains. Mm -hmm. And he calls, uh, we, I have a chaplain uh, uh, right now, his wife uh, went through a, a pretty significant surgery yesterday. And so I'm, of course, involved in, you know, and on the phone uh, trying to, to make sure he has what he needs. Uh, but far more than that, our chaplain uh, is engaged with that, with that chaplain. So I do have uh, some of that uh, discipleship and shepherding role uh, as a regional director. Uh, but we also have someone, because I'm still the boss, so same dynamics apply. Um, but we need to make sure that our chaplains feel safe um, uh, sharing what's going on. And so they, we have a designated chaplain for them to, uh, to do that with. One of the things we were talking about during the break uh, had to do with uh, 
the promotion of what you do and the telling stories and books and so on. Mm-hmm. Have there been any uh, journalistic uh, portrayals of your company, you know, NPR or New York Times or anybody like yeah, that? Yeah, not in a while. I, I have seen, not, certainly not in my five years. I've seen some newspaper articles. I was involved in one in a, in a small newspaper in New Bern, North Carolina, which was great. Not, not a lot of uh, circulation there. Uh, back maybe 10 years ago, Fox News did a special. Um, uh, there's been a couple of pieces, but not a whole lot. I just, you know, all of those of you who subscribe to Indianapolis Star, get the word out uh, over there to the Star and tell them they really need to do a promo piece on on what's going on here. Because if you really, I'm thinking about this now as a statewide issue. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're governor of a state or really care about bringing uh, corporations and businesses into the state, which is always a constant, you know, in any state, uh, you want to make sure that the bottom line of a state looks good just as much as you do in a business. I mean, wouldn't it be obvious to anybody that having an organization like this, literally in Indiana, uh, benefits everybody and the whole state as a whole? Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. So, you know, WTHR, you know, let's get the TV uh, groups here, the Fox uh, station, you know, let's get them all out here and interview you. I would appreciate the opportunity. I mean, sometimes the challenge is this is a good news story. Yeah. Um, that's not always what news stations are right. looking for. <laughs> They're looking for the disasters and the catastrophes. Yeah. As a Marine, I built schools across the South Pacific in various countries like Timor-Leste. And even in Afghanistan, we rebuilt cities and towns and roads. And um, uh, that's not something you see on the news. Uh, because they're looking for the bombs and explosions. But uh, um, this is a story that I think needs to be told uh, because I think that there are many companies out there and what we would call mission fields Mm. um, that the owner just isn't connected to the same places that we are. They need to know uh, Mm. about this benefit. They need to know about this organization and what uh, we can do uh, to care for their employees in Jesus' name. It would be interesting, it seems to me, then, that uh, some business leaders, some uh, corporation heads uh, maybe get together and and go to these stations and say, we need to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you if you want to see at the bottom line of the state continue to be in the black, then, you know, maybe this would be a good story to tell. You know, mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while, you know, the news does give us a positive spin of something yes, somewhere. So <laughs> it warms the heart. It does. When that happens. It does. Or, you know, at, at least pitch this to Reader's Digest. I know they would take it. You know, this would be an important idea. Well, uh, this is a a fascinating discussion. I wonder if uh, we could continue uh, moving toward the end of our time together by you just telling uh, some stories about lives that have been changed, uh, specifically, generally, Mm -hmm. uh, however you would like to do that. I know that you have so many of them, you could could fill a whole day with them. But uh, pull out a couple that uh, might actually show the changed lives of people. Sure. I'll uh, start with an example right here in Indianapolis. A, a company uh, with an HR director that had been there for quite some time. And the chaplain came through and she confided in him uh, that she had been involved in an extramarital affair uh, with a coworker. Uh, that her husband had found out about this affair and was planning to leave her or make her quit the company. He was like, you can, you can have a choice, either I'm gone or you're leaving this company and this individual behind. And she was, of course, and she'd been very invested in this company. She was in all kinds of emotional duress uh, over the, the discovery and, and, and sort of being uh, identified in this way. And she didn't know what to do. She hadn't told the company yet, but she told the chaplain. 
The chaplain just listened as, as he did, and he said, it would be okay with you as you've confessed this and everything else. Can I talk to your husband? And she's like, sure, if, if he'll talk to you, he's pretty upset. But she gave uh, the chaplain uh, her, her husband's number. He called the husband, met with him, uh, ended up leading the, this very upset man uh, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, uh, was able to uh, keep this HR director at the company. Um, obviously, she shifted positions. It was a larger company, so she could go to a place where she was no longer with the man that she'd been involved with. Um, she actually also uh, gave her heart to the Lord, mm -hmm. and uh, they entered into marital counseling as a result of that. So that's not always the result, but it's an example of the chaplain being, uh, for such a time as this, in the right place at the right time, where God just orchestrated the events to where this very major crisis that could easily have ended up with a uh, uh, not only a, a, you know, a very valued employee leaving the company, uh, but a marriage falling apart uh, ended up with two lives changed forever uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, two names written in the book of life, mm -hmm. um, but just uh, you know, both in a material here and now sense, and also in an eternal sense, God just doing an amazing work mm -hmm. uh, through chapel. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. The ideas, of course, that are being promoted here uh, are something that aren't just life-changing for this life, this time, the here and now, but for the there and the then. Yes. And that's something that uh, we don't often connect, I don't think, uh, too often. And that, that's so sad that we don't do that. But in your case, you know, having you on the show here today certainly demonstrates once again mm -hmm. that the here and now and the there and then always connect. And there's always this intersection uh, between the supernatural and the natural worlds. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your theological perspective and maybe if you want to talk about what church you attend or sure. uh, what kind of uh, education that you've had in terms of theological training, that kind of thing, and if that's necessary to be a chaplain. Yes, so uh, we're a non-denominational organization. We have a very clear statement of faith. It's on our website, chaplain.org. Uh, you know, we're very upfront, but we have uh, chaplains uh, from various denominations, all united in Christ. Uh, and a heart for the gospel. Uh, we do have a list of qualifications for chaplains, and I'll, I'll talk about you know, sort of my personal uh, here. And, and you'll see it on the website if you're interested in that. Uh, we have a preference for a master of divinity. It's not required if you're uh, a more experienced pastor or someone who's been in ministry for a long time. I got hired at 29 as a chaplain, so I was, I was pretty young. If I hadn't had the MDiv, chances would have been pretty slim. Uh, but we, we are able to flex because our number one um, um, thing that we're looking for is a heart for people. Mm -hmm. um, that's not always the case. Even with some pastors, God bless them, uh, they're really good at preaching. But when it comes to being pastoral mm -hmm. and engaging with people and just being able to be relational, that's yeah. not their strength. Yeah. Uh, so, so we need that. <clears throat> you have to be a highly relational person to be in this role because you're walking into a company and it's just you. You're going cubicle to cubicle or, or forklift to forklift, engaging with people on a real relational level. And that's got to be what drives you, mm -hmm. is a desire to love people, listen to them. And of course, uh, when the opportunity comes and with permission uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, with them. So personally, again, we have all kinds of, of different denominations represented. I come from the Independent Christian Church. So like I said, I went to the Johnson University down in Knoxville, Tennessee. I also went to Southern uh, Baptist Theological in Louisville, Kentucky. I got to go back home and had a, a great uh, uh, educational experience there. Um, and right after graduating, immediately after, is when I started with Corporate Chaplains of America. Nice. We share an alma mater. That's where I did my PhD was at SBTF. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a great awesome. place. Yeah. Uh, one of the 
funnest things uh, at the end was that uh, we actually got to go through Al Mohler's library. So, you know. <laughs> was, I hadn't seen it face to face, so my own eyes heard about it. It's really something else. Thank you, Dr. Mohler, by the way, for yes. your good leadership down there. Uh, we are coming to the end of our program here today, so uh, give us in a 30-minute uh, shot what you would like to leave with everybody about uh, corporate chaplains in America. Uh, yes, God is using this organization has for the last 23 years to, to literally change lives uh, of family members uh, and of employees uh, for eternity. Uh, and uh, if you uh, know someone that's in a position of leadership in a company, we would love to hear from you. Uh, again, chaplain.org, uh, C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N.org is a place to find out more information and resources. This is one way that God is moving his kingdom forward in this country. That's great. Really happy to have had Jamin Bailey with us here today. Corporate Chaplains of America, really pleased about this uh, great organization, not only in Indiana, but uh, throughout the United States and the hundreds of thousands of people that they serve. If you missed uh, our broadcast here, catch us up on the podcast that will come out later today. This uh, Facebook Live will also be archived immediately, so you can go back and pick out some things. Uh, some of the stories that were told here today are just phenomenal and life-changing, fantastic stuff. Um, it really needs to be re-recorded in other places, and we will share it as much as we possibly can. Next week, we are going to be taking a break. Uh, I'm actually going to be going to the Consortium of Christian Study Centers uh, and our annual meeting up in Chi-Town, up in Chicago. Looking forward to that, spending three days with folks from around the United States who are doing what I do at IUPUI, which is coming along a public university to serve faculty and students. Looking forward to being with my friends and colleagues there in that particular venue. So there will not be any radio show next week, but we'll be back the week after with Dave Wilkins from uh, City Life and specifically Youth for Christ. Uh, Dave is a great leader in Indianapolis, really pleased about his opportunity to be on the show. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Thankful again for Jamin for his work and for all of the great work of the chaplains around the United States. And uh, yeah, Mom, hold that teapot out. Uh, he might just even stop by. You've been listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50. We'll take next week off, but we'll look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. And until then, blessings. <laughs>